Welcome to an incomplete guide to world domination, a podcast by creators for creators, because together we can take over the world. I'm your host, Brianna Toiber. All right, so so just introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about you. Well, um, first and foremost, thank you for having me, Brianna. I do appreciate it. Uh, for those who don't know me, I am Summer Howard. I've, I've been programming since I was about 12 or 14, probably 14, closer to 14. Holy cow. Yeah, that, 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 that's a story I can, <laughs> I can ramble about. But I've been, professionally, I've been programming for about 10 years now. Um, my day job and what I do in my free time are both very separate things. As in my day job, I write medical software. I consult. I, I've worked at IBM. I've worked at small, small shops, you know, everywhere in between. And I've been doing professional software development for about 10 years on that side. My free time, though, has always been video games in some form or fashion. And that's how Brianna and I met, was through the Dallas Society of Play, which I'm sure I'll be talking about later. It's an awesome organization, by the way, with some really cool people. Yeah, we are very lucky to have all of our organizers do a fantastic job of running, running the meeting, running the events. Um, I've been running it for about five years now, and it's just, it is just, it makes me so happy that we have this club here in Dallas. So how did you first, like, get started, like, attending DSOP, and then how did you come to be an organizer? Right. So, I, where do I start? I had just moved down from Missouri, and I got into Texas, and the only people I knew here were my parents. It was, I always knew, I was born, born in Texas, and I you know, came back to the motherland, so to speak. <laughs> so I had spent most of 25 years of my life up in Missouri. And so here I was in Dallas, in the area, and I didn't know anyone. And I didn't have any friends. Um, all Again, all I had was my parents. Me when I got out of college. Yeah. And so what do you do? It's, I mean, I'm a nerd. I don't want to go to bars. Um, so I looked up online and started trying to find clubs because that's what you need. It's, I no longer had the safety net of, like, college or club meetings up in Missouri, it was I needed to find connections here. So I started going to meetup.com and facebook.com and they were doing um, some indie dev stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I found DSOP probably six years ago, seven years ago at this point. And uh, anyway, I showed up, observed it quietly, and then by that point, I was already writing on my first draft of Mercenary, no, my second draft of Mercenary Lido in ImpactJS. So I asked the organizers, hey, can I give a presentation on ImpactJS, which is a JavaScript uh, game engine? Mm -hmm. And so I gave the presentation, and then I naturally have a bit of a, a leadership spark in me, right? Yes. And so, yeah, thank <laughs> you. Brianna knows me, so she knows. I'm very, <laughs> like, it's my way. <laughs> I laugh because I'm, I'm I'm all too aware of it. I'm very agreeable. If anyone's listening, I'm very agreeable. It's just I I, I, I I'm very bullheaded. You talk to me for five minutes, you're, you're you'll see it. But um, it's in a good way. It's, it's yeah, and it's like I am agreeable. I I will listen. I just think I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I started um, organizing game jams. I was going up to all the meetings, um, and eventually the organizers pulled me aside and said, "Well, you're doing a lot of good." Do you want to be an organizer? And I said, sure. And that's why I became an organizer. Because why not? Yeah, exactly. So my role within Dallas Society of Play is 
I usually the one who starts the game jams. I'm starting to get into organizing. Um, Dreamhack just happened, which was a giant convention, so I had to help organize that and get. I hated that I couldn't go. To yeah, that. it was awesome. I'm sorry not to rub it in, but it was awesome. Yeah, but it was. Um, so again, running game jams. I'm starting to run um, coordination between the events. Um, someone who organizes Let's Play convention, the Let's Play convention, which is about two months. Ooh, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. They, I they, volunteered there last year. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they knew me, and they came up to me and said, "Hey, do you want to be the Indie Point coordinator? You know, Indie coordinator." I was like, "Yes," and so I'm starting to ramp up for that as well. But generally in DSOP, I'm the one who goes at the front and I do the announcements. I tell like you know the rules, the regulations, be, the be excellent to each other. But I'm always very careful to say I am only one of five organizers. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other other organizers, especially Russell, they're more behind the shadows. But I mean, shout out to Russell. Russell is the one who runs the meetup. He handles the meetup, the banner ads. He just uh, did our rebranding. There's a lot of work um, that all the organizers do, and it's not just me. It's just, I'm, I'm usually the public face, but it's like, I, I do not run DSOP. I am, I'm, I'm in the front, but man, Russell especially, R- Russell and Ian, they are definitely, yeah. And then Justin's the voice of reason. And then Storm is the, uh, yeah, Justin's a very good Russell. He, he's the voice of reason. He tells me when I'm, be, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and then Storm is our, no, our node coordinator. So yeah, that's, there's five of us, and we all have our, our own little roles. So, I completely missed the meeting we talked about the rebranding because that was the one night work had been closing. So, what did I miss with that? Okay, okay. I'm curious. No, no. So, we have been needing a rebranding for a while. When the original logo was made a couple of years ago, it worked. There's nothing wrong with it. But we were starting to think that as DSOP grew and matured, now that we're kind of a legitimate organization where we are at these gaming conventions doing outreach, we're throwing game jams, we're doing events, and people know about us, and we're starting to gain a little bit of clout. And so we decided that it was time, especially with the website getting old, we really needed a web bra- uh, rebranding. The rebranding, in short, is that our mascot, we now have a mascot, which is fantastic. What? And it, I'll, I'll show you on the, the banner on our way out, because okay. we, because the banner is here at Node. Oh, I'm, I'm oblivious. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> and it's a, it is a gelatinous cube with little cute little tentacles on it, and I think it's the cutest damn thing. Um, and Russell came up with that, and again, we are... Damn lucky to have him. <laughs> we are very lucky to have him. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Yeah, Russell's Spend good a people. A couple times. Yeah, Russell's good people. So yeah, that's the rebranding is just uh, new colors and um, new new website and we'll, we're gonna do probably. T- I know we need t-shirts because you gotta have t-shirts and just kind of a more. We needed it, I guess. Is what I'll, I'll leave it at that. We needed it. <laughs> just just kind of like a newer face and then getting more yes. out there. Yeah. yeah, getting more out there. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I think I didn't hear about the L Society of Play until I started going to the video game open coffee club yep. meetings. And that's when I first started hearing about yep. it. Mm-hmm. I was working with someone on a game at that time, so we talked about, like, possibly... It was a bigger game, so we were talking about... When I saw that and I saw the arcade cabinet, I was like, maybe we could do a couple smaller ones. Yep. And that sense felt through because he dropped off the face of the right. planet. Sure. But I'm still glad it... Because it led me to this organization right. where I've met some cool people and... Yeah. Have my own game thing I'm working yeah, on. Absolutely. And the big thing about DSOP is that everyone in here is a creative driven in- individual where I personally know that I would not be as far with my projects if it wasn't for the people that are in DSOP. Because you're, you're, you're around people who have ported to consoles, they've talked to publishers, they've gone to E3, they've shipped on Steam, they've made money off Steam, or they've made money off the iOS store. Like, there are so many people that have legitimacy. And you talk to them, and they're just like you and me. And it's like, 
Well, if they can do it, why can't I? And then that, 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 that's what happens. It's, it's magical. <laughs> I have to say, that's like one of the best things that I've realized is that all these people are like, they're just human beings. Yes, yes. I've had some conversations with the person who's now like the director of design <laughs> at Bioware. Yeah. And like, I've talked to people from Telltale mm-hmm. and I've talked to, I talk to people on Twitter all the mm-hmm. time. And it's like, they're people. Yeah. You just, you just yeah. gotta be nice, and that's how you make friends. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's even two people. Yeah, I can say this. It's people that you know now are gonna be somewhere in five years, and because of that, I say that is I know people five years ago. Like, yeah, they were students. They were trying. They were doing their own indie thing. But now, one of them's a producer at Sony. One of them is now at Microsoft on the Minecraft team. Right? Holy yeah. How? Um, and I and I used to know someone from Nintendo. So it's like. You, you you just, it, it happens. Like, suddenly, like, you look at your network because you've been making games and you've been in the indie sphere for, like, five years. Or, you know, maybe you've gone triple I or triple A, like, you go to Gearbox or It or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it's like you have all of these connections and you realize that the world of video game developers is really not that big. So it, it's a... It isn't. No, it's so not. So that's why you gotta be nice. Cause yeah, you gotta be nice. Because <laughs> someone you're talking to might be important in a couple of years. <laughs> Either that, or they probably are friends with important people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just be nice. I'm be nice. I have to say, I laugh a lot sometimes whenever I see someone just that once in the industry just yeah. blatantly insult like a dev on Twitter. I'm like, yeah, don't do that. You can kiss your career goodbye because yeah. oh, yeah. I guarantee they have yeah. friends. Yeah. And so it's. I would love to talk about even how to break into the industry. Do I get asked questions about that? Do I get? To, are you interviewing me about that? <laughs> Am I Go for it. Okay. I mean, like, okay. we could also do okay. it. Like, if this runs long, I could just make it a couple of episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could always come back and talk about sure, stuff. Sure, sure, sure. Go it's, for uh, it. Everyone wants to know, and this is. I've run so many panels at like Acon and Let's Play and all these smaller gaming conventions, and usually it's the how do you get into the industry, right? Like you grew up playing video games, and how do you how do you make them, right? You have that spark in you, and the the too long didn't read summary is just start now. It's um, even if you want to get into a AAA space, um, you have to start now because you need a portfolio. You don't necessarily need a degree. The degree definitely helps, though. The degree stops you from getting bodied by HR. Because, I mean, think of it from their perspective. It's HR has two resumes. One's from SMU Guildhall, which is fantastic. I've heard nothing, and I've seen nothing but amazing things from that college. Mm-hmm. You know, you have someone from Guildhall, and then you have someone who's, you know, if you only made one or two projects, then, yeah, you're going to get passed over. But eventually it comes to the point where if you've been making games for 10 years like me, you start to have a little clout. Now, mm-hmm. um... Yeah, an SMU Guildhall person's going to blow me out of the water, but that's okay. It's I'm, I'm at least being considered at that point. And it's not just going you know the traditional way. A lot of times it is, who do you know? It's um, a lot of people here at DSOP especially, they make their own indie studios, and then they get bought out by a publisher, and suddenly they are, you know, they're hiring people, right? Like, that's yeah. all I can say now is just start now. It's start small, start now. Um, come to organizations like DSOP, make friends, make teams, make games. That's that's all you have to do, and eventually it will happen. Yeah. It's, it's it's inevitable. Yeah, so what made you decide to, like, have indie development as a side thing right. and not your main thing? Right. Because a lot of... No, 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 absolutely. Um, oh, that's a really good question, Brianna. A lot of people, for those who don't know, is... Or, I mean, I've already said is my day job, again, I'm in medical. I've never worked in AAA space, and I doubt I ever will. And not because I can't. It's that I don't want to. It's uh, medical and 
anything else. It's just more stable, honestly. Um, now, I've been laid off before, so I have to eat my own words. But um, no, most of the time, it is 40 in or, and 40 out. And it's stable, and it puts a roof over my head, and I don't have to worry about anything. I go in, I do a very good job, you know, put in extra time if I need to. I mean, I've worked weekends, I've worked holidays. You know, you do it when you have to. Mm -hmm. And then you go home, and then you do the indie stuff on the side. Um, now, would I like to do indie full-time? Yes. Um, I kind of am as I branch into freelancing now, which is a recent change in the last couple of months for me, is freelancing is, okay, how do I work six months on and six months off? But case in point is where I am at in my career as an indie developer is, yes, I have been doing it for 10 years, but it's always small stuff, right? Or it's with the team where the money's not, you know, there's, there's either no money or little money, so you're not going to get much. You might get you a Starbucks cup of coffee. <laughs> but um, where I'm at as an independent is maybe the game I'm working on might make me a couple thousand dollars. That's great, right? But mm -hmm. that's, that's not sustaining, right? Maybe I'll get a publisher, but I just... Right now where I'm at, it's the indie stuff is not, it's not putting a food on my table and a roof over my head. So it's, I choose to do the stable stuff during the day job hours and then the indie stuff on the side. And that's, I've been doing this for four or five years at this point. Like I've always made games like in my free time, but not to the level of, I work on my game every single day now, even if it, it, at least a minimum of 20 minutes. It's like every single day I work on it. And if I don't, I have failed. And it's a very stringent lifestyle, um, but it forces me to make time for it, and that's uh, that's what I that, that's that's what I do, and it makes sense to me. So that's that's where I'm at. So yeah, that also makes sense to me. I do work on some games on the side, and by that I mean I have a twine game that I haven't touched in two months because sure. I've got two jobs right now. Sure, sure, sure. Between like Barnes and Noble and freelance video yeah. game PR stuff, yeah. and trying to find another job, it's like yeah. my life is. Always on fire. Yeah. Well, it's I knew someone, Alan. Yep, Alan. If you're listening, I'm talking about you. <laughs> is uh, I knew Alan was working at Game Over Video Games, and he was doing the PR stuff on the side. And eventually, Telltale hired him. Um, mm -hmm. Now he had he was going to PAX. He loved their games. He loved the Borderlands series, and he was just in cosplay and managed. It was the right place at the right time. Just how DSOP is the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. He bumped into someone at Telltale, and he got hired. And uh, I am so proud of Alan. I really am because that's a prime example of um, if you want it bad enough and you keep doing it, at some point you are too great to be ignored. And that's mm -hmm. that's that's all it is. And yeah, there may be times where it's it's dark and nothing seems to be working, but you just have to you have to put your nose to the grindstone and keep making good content whenever you can. You know, even if it's you're burned out and you need a, a, a two month break off, that's that's fine. Absolutely, it's because you need to make sure that you yourself are settled and you're stable and you're happy with yourself, and then you can start creating, right? Everyone's different, but if you are hungry enough to get into this industry, it will happen. It's just a matter of when and how, honestly. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about your game, Lido? Sure. Because it looks kind of adorable. Well, thank you. So Mercenary Lido, the elevator pitch is a 2D action platformer set in a science fantasy world. And in it, you will travel the galaxy with a ragtag group of mercenaries and friends, all endearing, or you'll hate them. That's how I write them. As some characters you are not supposed to like. And eventually, you will uncover a plot to stop dragon poachers. Um, that's my elevator pitch. 
And I, this is the fun part I, where I get to kind of sheepishly admit stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because there's, there's nothing to hide, I just laugh. Is that if anyone wants to pr a prime example of a, what it looks like when you don't know what you're doing is me. It's uh, Mercenary Lilo has been in development since 2012. That is seven years at this point. Yeah, yeah seven, seven years. years. And people look at me and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, hold on, hold on. It's been in Unity since 2015, so cut me a break. Um, I did not know what I was doing. And Do any of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's I started in um, XNA, and I fought with that for seven to eight months, just trying to do, like, basic platforming and collision detection. And I just, it was a mixture of I didn't have the chops, the technical chops. I could now. And also, it just it wasn't really fun for me to work work in after a while. Like, you're doing a lot of low-level stuff, like loading sprite sheets into the memory. And I'll say this is Owlboy was written in XNA, and oh, my God, they could... Very talented. I It blew my mind when I found that out. But anyway, that was... It was an XNA for about eight months. And then it went into ImpactJS for about, a, I want to say, a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And ImpactJS was great. And the fact that you had collision detection and pretty good platforming in about 20 minutes because the engine was set up for basically... It, you could... I Thinking about it, I think you could make like a top-down in it, but I want to say it was really geared towards platformers and it just felt really nice. And that was a very humbling experience for me because as a software developer, I, I see code first. I think code first. I just do. So it, it was a very humbling way for me to realize that you don't have to get bare bones and write and say X and A or a really low-level framework when something like ImpactJS will just do it for you right out of the box. You just have to mm -hmm. configure it. And um, I realize now that if you are trying to make a simple... I mean, like I said, Lido is a two-dimensional platform. It's Mega Man, it's Metroid, right? It's Mario. It's There's probably a game engine that will take care of you and will get you faster on creating the games than fighting the engine itself or lack thereof. Um, but I know people, I've talked to programmers. I even talked to a programmer over at DreamHack this weekend and he was like, yeah, I'm writing my, I'm writing my own engine. I'm like, okay. And you can't fault him for it. Yeah. So, and honestly, some people... Um, it's you can't tell him. You know, maybe he's right. Maybe whatever game he's making, he needs a custom engine for it. It's like, and that happens especially when you're a developer first. You're like, well, I have this problem. I'm gonna go solve it. And it's like, it's strange, but it's more familiar. It's easy because it's close to you. It's like, well, I, I want to make a game, so it's easier for me to write something in whatever programming language I know than go off, go to the internet and ask the internet, hey, what game engine should I use? Like, as I. That's exactly what it is. It's more familiar to write your own code than try and pull something off the shelf and try and configure it. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, Lido was in ImpactJS for about a year, year and a half. And around that time, that's when Unity started getting big. Mm -hmm. And it's, in my hubris, I should have, you know, I say this, and it, it's hard for me to properly give a good answer looking back on it. I think I can, I can do this. So... Lido had been in my head for a long time. And looking at ImpactJS, I could have shipped it. It could have worked. But for some reason, it wasn't good enough. It, I, at the time, I didn't think I could get an HTML5 Canvas game to run in Steam. Mm -hmm. And if that was the case, I was like, well, I can't make money for it. And it's not, I'm not money motivated, as strange as that sounds. 
it's I wanted the legitimacy. I wanted the clout. It's like, how do I get this out to people that it's not just you know something free to play? Which, looking yeah. back on it, I could have taken Impact JS. I could have made a few small games in it, and I could have put it on my web on a website somewhere and be like, hey, I make games, right? Like that's a great portfolio piece. Move mm-hmm. on. But I just wasn't happy with that. Lita was my dream game, and I didn't want to. It's your baby. It's my you baby, and, and it's like that. it's like my engine's not good enough. What do I do? So, I was at Acon. And Fractal Fox was in the area. Um, Fractal Fox makes mobile games, and they make mobile games in Unity. And this was back in 2014, yeah. And I went to. This is a great. This is a great story on how you get into the industry. Um, is a. Uh, I went up. To, I went to all their panels. I met them. I was very friendly. I wasn't creepy. I wasn't desperate. But I stopped by the booth one day, and Patrick. Hello, Patrick. If you're listening to this. Um, Patrick needed, I think it was an iPhone charging cable or an Android charging cable, I forget. And I had one, so I gave it to him. I was like, here you go. You know, I'll be back in a couple hours. He's like, yeah, thanks. You know, he'd learn my name. He knew a little bit about me by that point. Because, you know, just being very friendly and not, not creepy, not demanding, not desperate. And I walked off for a couple hours, did whatever. And then I came back. But that at that point, though, I had Lido running on a laptop in the browser. And I asked him... I was like, Fractal Fox, I don't know how big it is. I don't know if you even need me, but do you need programmers? Because I had it, the game running right there. And I will never forget this. As Patrick put his left hand on, his left and right hands on both of my shoulders and pulled me into his booth. <laughs> um, and that's how I started doing work for Fractal Fox for a year to learn Unity. Uh, full disclaimer is that it was all rev share. I wasn't paid, but it didn't matter because... I learned Unity in the year that I was with them. And that's what I needed because at that point it was, I didn't want to do Unreal and Unity was in C Sharp, which I already knew from my X and A days. So learning Unity seemed familiar. And it's another funny tale of, Lido could have been written in GameMaker, and I'm sure it would have been better in GameMaker, but it's the same curse of I'm a software developer and I don't want to have to learn a new game making language. I'd rather just use C Sharp. So when people ask me, it's like, why are you making a 2D game in, in a 3D engine? It's like, because it made sense to me at the time. <laughs> and it still does. It still does. There's yeah. a lot of things that Unity can run on anything. Um, I can port it to anything if I choose to. Um, being a Unity developer at DSOP is a huge plus because most uh, indie developers are using, indie, uh, using Unity at this time. We have a couple people using Unreal and a couple people using their own languages um, or writing their own engines um, to make games in. But really, when it comes to game jams, it's most of the time it's Unity. And it's yeah. for, for, for better or for worse, right? Cause I'm Unity, pretty sure yeah. our game was all in Unity yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, for better I'm or for so worse. I'm so proud of how, came, how yeah. well that came out. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's Lido. And so that's the, the, the long of it, kind of where it is right now. So I, I did Fractal Fox for a year. And then Lido started, I started porting Lido's ImpactJS code into Unity and it's since like the summer of 2015, yeah, yeah, and it's been it's been fun. It's been I've realized now that I've kind of built a engine on top of Unity to handle things like save state, um, collision not collision detection, well some collision detection. Uh, Lido's movement is uh, pixel perfect to some degree. It's like d- decimal perfect, right? Because I needed absolute control um, over how she moved. 
Um, but yeah, save games, how, how do you read dialogue? Um, how do you read from save flags? Like all of this work I've done on top of Unity, it leads me to believe that I've, I coin it as I sort of have a Lido engine at this point that I'm very familiar with. And I like to make the joke that it's a swamp, but it's my swamp and it's very comfortable and I know what needs to be done. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, everyone has their own way of doing yeah. things. Mm -hmm. Like for like I I'm a writer, so that means I've got a butt ton of Word documents. Mm -hmm. It's all organized into folders with subfolders, so I'm just like, have fun finding anything yeah. if you're not me. Yeah. It's like, I definitely don't want a programmer in my code, but it makes sense to me. Lido is doing well. I always say it'll come out in two years, but there's no deadline. It's really a hobby project, and I'm okay yeah. admitting that. Like, it, it, it comes with maturity to be able to call something is, is what it is. Mm -hmm. It's a hobby project. It's on Steam Early Access. I've made like $400 off of it at this point, which is, you know, everyone's like, oh, that's that, 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 which isn't bad. No, it's not. But, um, I've probably spent a couple of grand at this point paying um, Zachary, my lovely, lovely artist who I do not deserve, um, paying, um, first it was Greg, and then I moved to Shay for music because I can't do it. But the, and then plus there's merchandise, and then there's website, and then there's fees here and there that it's, you know, there's always, you know, fees here and there that come up. Um, but I couldn't be happier. I really couldn't. You know, Lido is really my first commercial project. And I want it to be the best that it possibly can be. And I like the fact that it will come out when I'm ready because I have full control over it. Yeah. It's um, um, right now I'm working on the full production schedule and I'm g always getting those ideas like, oh, if I had this character do this or this character do this, um, I can do it. I don't mm -hmm. have to just justify it to anyone. It's like, no, this is um, people who play it, who sit down and really appreciate it for what it is. They seem to like it, which is always, it always it helps you. It helps yeah. the imposter syndrome. And you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, hate a thing and people uh, don't hate it. it. And people don't hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, they like it and they, yeah. they find it endearing. And um, that's, that's kind of all the confidence you need and a little bit of feedback where I, it used to be that I just wanted one person to like my stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And that's already happened. So I've already won. Um, but again, it's a hobby project. And I don't know what I'm going to do after Lido. I know I will do something, but now that I'm kind of comfortable in this Lido engine, it's really easy for me to do another platformer. But I just, I don't know yet. It'd be really easy for me to do it. It's a, uh, it's the Dark Souls problem. It's Demon Souls was good, but Dark Souls was built on top of it. And Dark Souls is, I'm playing through it right now, so it's on my, it's on the top of my brain right now. It's I've, a beautiful game. <laughs> I've been told I would enjoy it, but the thing is, like, I'm not super coordinated right. with combat stuff, it's so a, I'm like, I don't think I would get very far before I'm just like, ah. Yeah. It is, I would not get through it or play it at all because of exactly that. It's like, it does have this, like, wall where it's like, no, you have to be good to play this game. And the truth is, is you are going to die a lot, but Dark Souls is fair. It is, if you run in without a plan, you will die. Um... If your weapons aren't upgraded, you're going to have a bad time, and you will learn very quickly when you need to go upgrade your weapons. Um, it also does help, too, that Tyler, my fiancé, has put, like, two or 3,000 hours into the into those games across all the consoles, so he knows where everything is. So having someone next That's to me saying... Impressive. Yeah, having someone next to me that says, hey, you know, try this, you know, do this build. Okay, this is how you're going to play. You're going to do this. And it's even, too, watching him play the game. Like, right now he's doing a knives-only playthrough. He doesn't even have a shield. 
And uh, he's doing, like, yeah, he'll die a couple of times, but he's he, he, he gets through that it. That stresses me out to yeah. think about. No, but it's possible. It's the, the difference of, it's removing that mental barrier is what it is. Yeah. And once I realized, once I beat the Taurus demon, which I died like 40 times to, um, then it, then it's okay. But you're, you're, you're angry at the game for a while. You really are. Yeah. But uh, no, Dark Souls is, you just have to get the... Uh, the mental barrier out of the way, and then you mm-hmm. can do it. You can do it. I'm gonna have to play that one after a while. But mm-hmm. I remember, like the last time, I was really struggling with a boss fight. So I was play. Um, well, no, it wasn't the last time. But I was uh, when I was first playing Dragon Age Origins for mm-hmm. the first time. Yep. And when you're fighting the Arch Demon. Yeah. And I, I was just like, I died like six times. Right. And my roommate, she was mm-hmm. also playing on her PC. I don't think right. she was quite there yet. Mm-hmm. So she looked at me. She's like, Hey. Try this thing. Yeah. So I, because I was at an easy difficulty level, yeah. so I just wandered over to a ballista and yeah. auto-targeted it yeah. and just shot it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes there, and I love yeah, that. Yeah, so. and there are definitely times where if you're running into a wall over and over and over again in any video game or any fact of life, oh, so it's, like, life. it's like maybe I need to just approach this a little differently, and Dark Souls has taught that to me, where I run into, you know, run into a boss fight and I, I get my... Face slapped, I'll say that. I, won't, I wasn't going to say what I, what I wanted to say. You get slapped, and you get slapped a couple of times, and you're like, after like the 15th time, you're like, maybe I need to change my equipment load. And then you just run in there, and you're like, well, I can't roll because I'm wearing the heaviest armor in the game. But at least you can survive that one combo attack, and then yeah. you can beat the boss. And sometimes you just yeah. have to do that. Yeah, I, At least at my skill level. I'm not that good. I remember with Dragon Age 2, my mm-hmm. first playthrough, I was kind of dumb about how mm-hmm. I did my power level ups. Mm-hmm. So I played through again, and I was smarter that time. Mm-hmm. And, like, because th- there's this one fight where you have to fight. There's, like, hundred mm-hmm. regular demons, two pride demons, yeah. and a blood mage. Yeah. And I, I hated that part so much. I yeah. figured out, I'm like, if I do this, I switch to Fenris, yeah. run in, kill the blood mage mm-hmm. immediately, switch, but no... I would, I was a mage, so I'd do like an area of effect attack, mm-hmm. switch to Venerous, take out the blood mage, yeah. and then we, I finally right. beat it. I was like, yes! yes. Yeah, but see, like, And not, then the game just gets worse, but in different ways. Yes. It's, uh, man, it, it's, when people ask me some of the inspiration for Leto, it's definitely the Bioware games. Like, Knights of the Republic, like, 1 and 2 and Neverwinter Nights, like... I, I have been to the Old Republic on my computer. Yeah. I've played a little bit, mm-hmm. and it's really fun when you click on a thing, and it's just like, it's like, what's this? Like, oh, you go to this thing in the menu, and I'm like, this doesn't break anything at yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, I just like characters. It's yes. a, I like, I like good stories. I try and write good stories. I try and write endearing characters. That's, that's a lot of the foundation for Leto. Um, and what I've learned, at least for Leto, is that there's the action, there's the platforming, but really it's there just to get you to the next narrative piece, right? Yeah. And it's Leto's going to be quite different from anything else that I've seen, just because it's just like anyone, any indie out there making their own game, it's going to be a little bit different. It's uh, Everyone can bake a cake, but it's how you bake it and what you put in and what ingredients and... You just have to hope that the people eating the cake, like, you know, do you want one person to like it or do you want a million people to like it, right? And it's just you have to kind of tweak the recipe to see what you're yeah. going to get. So Yeah, and sometimes mm-hmm. you just got to make the thing that you want to make. And mm-hmm. don't worry if everyone's going to like it or not. No, right. Sometimes, if yeah. If you like it, someone out there will. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes it's, it's, it's how you approach it. Like, you know, do you want to make the next big thing? And it's like, well, I'll go make Fortnite, right? Like... Or do you want to make something that makes you happy? It's uh, it's just questions that need to be answered. And sometimes you don't know right away what you want, and that's okay too. But my my 
answer to anyone wanting to get in the industry. It's like go home and download Game Maker or Unity or anything. You know, it's it just because my my journey went a certain way doesn't mean that. You know, if you want to make twine games all day, I could power to you. Absolutely. I mean, there's some twine games out there that make money. Mm-hmm. They're mostly porn, but <laughs> they make money. Yeah, yeah. I've had com- I've walked in on conversations between game writers about that. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And that is an art form in of itself. Yeah. Because there's, I'm not going to get into it, but. It yeah. makes money, but it's. I'm too prude. <laughs> I'm too I prude. feel that. Yeah, it's like, yeah. no, I'm, I'm too prude. <laughs> she's like, I'm not going to judge you for enjoying it, yes. but I'm just going to be over here yeah. replaying Mass yeah. Effect for the 15th time. Yeah. After too beating prude. Uncharted for the 7th. Uncharted. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not even prudence, it's just it's private. Like, no one needs. Like, you don't need yeah. to know this about me. You don't need to know. Exactly. You don't need to know this about me. Next question. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely feel that. Yep. All right. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Or Ooh. Um, so how's your freelance stuff going so far? Good. It is... I suppose I, I suppose I got to go in a story about that, why I went to freelancing. Yeah. It was I did... Yay, story time. Yeah, yeah, story time. Because <laughs> I, um, I did full-time development, you know, 9 to 5, 7 to 4, whatever, uh, programming work for 10 years and freelancing I started realizing with freelancing it's it's a lot more risk but a lot more reward in the fact that you can set your own time you can set your own hours projects um, you either have to hunt for hunt for projects or they come to you but just the ability to you know th- the fact that I can even have this interview with you at two o'clock or three o'clock in the middle of the day is because I'm not tied up with a nine to five. Now mm-hmm. there are going to come times when clients are going to want me in an office from nine to five, and that's fine. I understand that, but just the the ability to break away from the normality of the nine to five day job a couple of months out of the out of the year is doing wonders for me. Mm-hmm. It's the again, I'll do it. I've done it. I can do it. It's not it's, I'm not balking about that. But just the ability to wake up early, go to the gym, come back and start writing code from the comfort of my own home and my two cats. That's really that that's my end game. And for some clients they they want you in the office and I understand that. Or maybe they want you in the office once a week. That's fine. I understand yeah. that. But eventually it's you can trust me. I will do the work you want me to do. Um good expectations, good communication. I'm just going to be in my pajamas the yeah. entire yeah. time. Yeah. And I want, you know, I have good company and they're my cats and I'm going to get, I'm not being bothered by anyone. I can focus for hours at a time. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I'm not bothered and I can just be in the code zone for hours and I'm more productive and I'm more happy. So it's, I, I know I can do it because I'm doing it and I'm just going to keep at it for a while. Like, again, it's, it's, is less stability. It's feast and famine, but, um. You are the master of your own destiny. You steer your own ship. So that's why I'm into freelancing. Yeah, if, the way I've heard it described is the great thing about freelancing is when you don't want to work on a project, you can just stop. Yeah, you can just stop. But the bad thing about freelancing is whenever you don't want to work on a project, you can just stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done a little freelance on the side, but it's all just like, it's hard to get going, especially yes. if you don't have a lot of like backbone yeah. to your... Yeah. Um, resume and like yeah, it's strong a, portfolio. Yeah, it's one of those things where yeah, 
You could do it if you were fresh out of college, but man, you are going to have to hustle for it. It's the yeah. experience and it's the right skill set. Like And knowing people, too. And really, yeah. it's. I've had it pitched to me that knowing people and networking and finding the next client is like 95% of your job as, as a freelancer. It's like, I can do the work. It's just I got to find the work, right? Yep. Because not everyone, I mean, I talk to companies all the time where... They're like, no, we need you full-time. And it's like, I don't want to be full-time. Like, I'll so, come in for six months, and then I want to be off for six. Like, you know, can we work There's a reason I'm doing freelance is right. I don't want a nine-to-five. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, Although right. right now I'd love a nine-to-five. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's, it's going to change. It's, um, it's just going to depend on what the work is and how long they want it. And, you know, can I – am I excited to work on it? That's a good, you know, a good problem, good question to ask. Yeah. But just to, after 10 years, I mean, even the fact of – you know, I want a week off. And then I get told by HR I don't have the vacation. It's like, then just don't pay me, right? But they're like, no, we need you in the office. And it's like, uh, just... Do you really, though? Yeah, it's like, do you really need me in the office? Like, things are slow right now. Like, can I can I leave? Can I just, like, get all my stuff done early? And then yeah, they go, and they go home, right? Yeah. But it's just it just depends on the client. Some clients are flexible like that. Um, and I know, like, towards the future, clients have to get more flexible, especially with remote uh, working remotely. Mm-hmm. Your workforce pool is now the world. It's not people just living in Dallas. It's like you can have really good software developers in remote parts of the world, and they're doing fantastic work work for you. You just have to build your company around it. Um, Basecamp definitely comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, they write books on it, and they're like, "Yeah, it works." We have like, I want to say they have forty people. I'm probably completely wrong, but they just they do all their working secretly. They have good communication. It works. Mm-hmm. Um, you can nice. do it. You can do it. It's just yeah. the, just you, take yeah. some, you know, trust. It's trust. Is yeah, what it is. that and figuring yeah. out good ways to communicate yeah. so everyone yeah. knows what's going on at all times. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's even too is that you're, you know if you're a client and you, everyone's remote, it's um, you don't need an office anymore. So you're saving money right there. <laughs> you're not renting I'm somewhere. Just, I'm just like if you're by yourself, you could just get a two bedroom up, like find Apart- a nice little two bedroom apartment mm-hmm. and not the shadiest part of town. Yeah, and yeah. just. You work. You have an office. You have an office, exactly. Or just, you know, put like ha- have a place where you can sit with your computer with a nice, like, plain black wall mm-hmm. or, or something yeah. nice from nice. the top no. down. Yeah, exactly. It's it's yeah. above all, it's it can work. It's just it's uh, not not everyone is, is ready for that. And, you know, some places, like, yeah, you need to go in the office. I understand that. But it's just mm-hmm. a, I would prefer not to work for them for very long. You know, go in and do a good job and then go, okay, I've had enough fun, you know. Like, I'll go in. I'll work. All right. Moving on. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. You've been great. Let me know if you need anything in the future. Mm-hmm. I'm going to run away now. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. I suppose this is the uh, the signing out part. I think, we're, I think I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. I think I'm good. Yeah, it's been good talking to it's you. Thanks for agreeing to come to No, absolutely. This. I'm just, I'm, thank you for meeting me. But, yeah, it's uh, parting <laughs> words. If you want to get into game development... Uh, if you're in the Dallas area, come to DSOP. And uh, if you want to get into indie stuff, wherever you are, just start. Find a community online. Um, post your stuff. Get on Twitter. Everyone's on Twitter. I'm not Seriously, on Twitter. everyone's on Twitter. Uh, and just, like, if you find the right people, then you'll find more people. And yeah. But also, be nice. Yeah, yeah, be nice. That's always a good thing, too. So, be yeah. Be nice. Don't just talk. And, like... Talk to talk to people about like life stuff. Don't just be like yeah. Don't uh, hey hire me. <laughs> yeah. I had that happen. I, okay, I gotta tell the story. Oh, yeah. Don't be the guy. And if you're the guy and you're listening to this, I'm not trying to be mean, but don't don't do that. Like I was running the booth, a booth, 
and a guy comes up with a resume in hand. It's like, hi, I'm this person. I just graduated. Here's my resume. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, first off, I'm not the person to talk to. Second, what you did was frankly rude. Let's let's try again. How about come to DSOP for a while, do some good stuff, and then, you know, if you if you tell people you're looking, it's going to happen, but don't be abrasive like that. You know, no, no offense to the guy if he's listening, but that is not how you get a job. Like, and it's also, I'm not a recruiter. If I'm a recruiter, then yes, please give me your resume, but I'm not a recruiter. I, I don't need people. I already got my two people. I got my musician and my artist. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So, yeah, anyway, yeah. You, you got to build the relationship first. You have to build sure. the relationship. It's, uh, if the job posting is online, like Indeed.com or Jobs.com, they have already failed because they don't want to do it because it's a huge waste of time to go through the resumes, to comb through them. Um, third parties are going to contact them, and third party, parties cost money. They would much rather have it. Um, if I'm working for some for someone and they say, "Do you know someone?" They would rather me say, "Yes, I do," and just hand them a personal contact than have to post it online. So if the job's online. It's don't even bother if you ask me. Like, re- like I've gotten jobs that way, but it's it's brutal and it's few and far between because the yep. the, the click once send all my my info over is not a boon for anyone. It's just more opportunity for people to submit trash it's like throwing uncooked pasta at the wall yeah hoping something will stick yeah it doesn't it doesn't work yeah it's who you know is how you get in it's who you know an incomplete guide to world domination is directed and produced by brianna toyber as part of pseudonym social a creative podcast network music is by patrick chester of chester studios You can find more of his work at chesterstudios.net. If you would like to help support our show, you can find us at patreon.com slash pseudonymsocial. You can also leave a review on iTunes to make our show easier to find for those who need it. For more information on the other shows produced by Pseudonym Social, please check out our website at pseudonymsocial.wordpress.com.